uh, to 40. So Deuteronomy 4, verse 23. Be careful not to forget the covenant of the Lord your God that he made with you. Uh, do not make for yourself an idol in the form of anything the Lord your God has forbidden. For the Lord your God is a consuming fire, a jealous God. And after you have had children and grandchildren and have lived in the land a long time, if then you become corrupt and make any kind of idol, doing evil in the eyes of the Lord your God and arousing his anger, I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you this day that you will quickly perish from the land you are crossing the Jordan to possess. You will not live there long, but will certainly be destroyed. The Lord will scatter you among the peoples, and only a few of you will survive among the nations to which the Lord will drive you. There you will worship man-made gods of wood and stone, which cannot see or hear or eat or smell. But if from there you seek the Lord your God, you will find him. Sorry. You, you will find him if you seek him with all your heart and with all your soul. When you are in distress and all these things have happened to you, then in later days you will return to the Lord your God and obey him. The Lord your God is a merciful God. He will not abandon or destroy you or forget the covenant with your ancestors, which he confirmed to them by oath. Ask now about the former days, long before your time, from the day God created human beings on the earth. Ask from one end of the heavens to the other. Has anything so great as this ever happened, or has anything like it ever been heard of? Has any other people heard the voice of God speaking out of fire as you have and lived? Has any God ever tried to take for himself one nation out of another nation, by testings, by signs and wonders, by war, by a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, or by great and awesome deeds, like all the things the Lord your God did for you in Egypt before your very eyes. You are shown these things so that you might know that the Lord is God. Beside him there is no other. From heaven he made you hear his voice to discipline you. On earth he showed you his great fire, and you heard his words from out of the fire. Because he loved your ancestors and chose their descendants after them, he brought you out of Egypt by his presence and his great strength to drive out before you the nations greater and stronger than you and to bring you into their lands to give it to you for your inheritance as it is today. Acknowledge and take heart this day that the Lord is God in heaven above and on earth below. There is no other. Keep his decrees and commands which I am giving you today so that it may go well with you and your children after you that you may live long in the land your God gives to you for a long time. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have given us your, your word. Thanks for this part of it. Lord, please help us to grow in our appreciation of who you are. Please help us to trust you, to respect you, and to worship you in everything. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. As you know, Lyndall and I, we have adult kids. So it's a long time ago now, but we used to go to parent-teacher interviews. Um, parent-teacher interviews are very revealing, I think, for the parents as much as for the teachers. 
But one observation I made way back then was that when the kids liked a teacher, when they had respect for the teacher, when they enjoyed the teacher's class, they would put in a little bit more effort. They'd try that little bit extra because of their regard for the teacher. And that little observation is something which, well, it goes wider than just school, doesn't it? When a person, when you get to know a person, their character will affect the way you behave around them, the way you behave to them. So when, um, when you have genuine trust in a person, it means you're unlikely to question them. You just trust them. When you have respect for a person, well, it means you're prepared to give them your loyalty. When you are in awe of someone's abilities, you, you don't even think they're ever going to drop the ball. You don't ever doubt them. And when you're thankful to a person, your generosity will show in not just how you thank them, but the way you praise them in front of others. Um, when you look at a person's achievements and their amazing works and achievements, it makes you marvel at their character. What I'm saying is a person's character shapes how you be behave towards them and what you think about them. And so as you look through this passage this morning, I think the question that it poses is, what would God need to do? What would you have to know about God's character in order for you to give God your undivided loyalty? What would God need to do or what would you need to know about his character before you would give him your total commitment, your unreserved obedience, your gratitude, your thanks and your praise? What would God need to do to prove himself to you? What would you need to know for you to hand over everything to him? Have a look down at verse 39. Acknowledge and take to heart this day that the Lord is God in heaven above and on earth below. There's no other. Keep his decrees and commands which I'm giving you today. Look at God, there is no other. Look at his character and obey. What would God need to do to demonstrate that he is worthy of that complete respect and obedience and trust and utter loyalty? Well, in Deuteronomy chapter 4, Moses himself points back to God's actions in saving Israel. So if you roll back up the passage to verse 32, this is what he points back to. Ask now about former days, long before your time, from the, the day God created human beings on earth, ask from one end of the heavens to the other, has anything like this ever been heard of? From creation, has anything like this happened? Verse 33, has any other people heard the voice of God speaking out of fire as you haven't lived? Has any God ever tried to take for himself one nation out of another by testings, by signs and wondrous and wonders by war and mighty hand and outstretched arm or by awesome deeds like the things the Lord your God did for you in Egypt before your very eyes. Moses says to Israel, look back. Look at what God has done. Look at the way he saved you. Look at all that. Be amazed at what he's done and acknowledge that he is God. There's no other. And then give him your loyalty and your obedience. In other words, God's unprecedented Actions in verses 32 to 34 lead to an appeal to be obedient to, um, to appeal to God's character in verse 39 and a call for obedience in verse 40. And so we're looking at this, and we're thinking, okay, well, what God, what would God have to do for us, for Israel? God says, Moses says, look back at what He's done in saving you. What would God have to do for us, for us to see His character? 
for us to respect him enough to hand our life over to him with complete obedience and loyalty. Remember, this is an Old Testament passage we're looking at, and we're looking at it with a New Testament perspective. The question for us is the same, but the demonstration of God's character, it's changed, hasn't it? It's grown. From where we stand, we don't just look at, back at God's incredible acts in saving Israel. We look back to the cross of Christ. We look back at Jesus on the cross and, and ask, has anything ever happened like that since the creation of the world? Have you heard of anything like that? God sacrificing his son so the guilty can go free, so that you can be forgiven and have new life. And then you've got the words of Deuteronomy 4 verse 39, acknowledge then and take to heart that the Lord is God, there is no other, and give him your undivided devotion, your trust and your obedience and live for him. I think that's the push of Deuteronomy, 1, uh, 4, Deuteronomy chapter 4 verses 1 to 40. I think that's the push of the passage. But of course, there's more details in here. Um, there's two more statements that, were, that are made about God. That's why the reading changed overnight. If you look back up at verse 24, there's a statement about God's character there. The Lord your God is a consuming fire, a jealous God. The 23 verses that lead into verse 24 demonstrate God's jealousy, show you what it's like for God to be a jealous God. It gives warnings against idolatry, a reminder of how God gathered a people to be his own and how he spoke to those people, gave them his word and says, God's a jealous God. He wants undivided devotion to him. And then there's a third statement about God in verse 31. For the Lord your God is a merciful God. And verses 25 to 30 lead into verse 31, showing God's mercy, describing God's willingness to give second chances. So there's three statements about God in the passage. Verse 24, he's a jealous God. Verse 31, he's a merciful God. Verse 39, the Lord is God and there is no other. And the first and last verse of the chapter, if you look at verse 1 and verse 40, do the same thing. They call for obedience based on the character of God. That's the kind of the shape of Deuteronomy chapter 4, verses 1 to 40. I know um, what I've just put on the screen there doesn't actually reflect what's in the sermon outline. Um, that's because growth groups are a good thing. Um, Jan printed the notices on Thursday morning, and we had another growth group on Thursday night. You can see the effect. There you go. Um, what you're looking at in Deuteronomy chapter 4, verses 1 to 40, this is a bit of a recap. It's Moses speaking to the people of Israel as they're poised to enter the land of Canaan. It's the end of the first sermon, the first of three sermons or speeches that Moses, old Moses gave to young Israel as they're poised ready to enter the land of Canaan. God's people, descendants of Abraham, they're preparing to take the land of Canaan. Um, so God's people, they're preparing to be God's people in God's land, in God's place and under God's rule. And here's Moses saying, this is what you should live like in that land. Um, two weeks ago, uh, when we started the sermon series in, in Deuteronomy, I said uh, it's made up of three sermons. So there's the one we're looking at still today, chapters 1 to 4, is like the history lesson looking back and Moses saying, do not make the same mistake your parents made. Obey God. Um, then there's the second sermon, which is the longest one from chapters 5 through to 28, that actually retells the law, the Ten Commandments, and how the people are to live in the land. 
And then the third sermon starts in chapter 29, looks forward at the terms of the covenant. This is how you need to live. So here we are in chapter 4. Chapter 4, verses 1 to 40, it's the end of the first sermon, the end of the history lesson, the end of the reminder not to do what the parents did. It's a call to obedience, and I'm saying it's a call to obedience that is based on understanding the character of who God is. And so then when we come back to these statements of who God is, let's work through some details. So got the overview, come back to verse 1. When you look at verse 1, it goes, Now Israel, hear the decrees and laws I'm about to teach you. Follow them so that you may live and may go in and take possession of the land the Lord your God is giving, uh, the land the God of your ancestors is giving you. Um, Keep a finger there. Look at the last verse, verse 40. Note the similarity. Keep his decrees and commands, which I'm giving you today, so that it may go well with you and your children after you, and that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. These are the instructions for how the people are to live in the land. And again, the obedience rests on the character of God. Um, This sermon, this first sermon, sets you up for the second sermon where the law is unpacked and spelt out and the requirements are spelt out. So that's verse 1. Then you go to verse 2. In chapter 4, verse 2, there's a warning not to change God's word. Do not add to what I command you and do not subtract from it, but keep the commands of the Lord your God that I'm giving you. This is building up to the statement that God is a consuming fire, a jealous God. It's saying don't mess with God's word. Obey it. Um, In particular, there's a warning against idolatry that begins in verse 3. Verse 3 uh, recalls a relatively recent incident for the young Israelites, an event that happened at Baal Peor. Many Israelites were enticed to worship Baal, and a whole lot of them died. They were led astray to follow the, the idols of the nations around, and they died because, verse 24, God is a consuming fire, a jealous God. He judges idolatry. Um, The event Moses is is referring to is in their living memory. And I know this is a detour, but the men's growth group on Wednesday night said this would be a good thing to do. So keep a finger in Deuteronomy. I'm not going to put the passage on the screen behind me. And then flip back to the previous book, book of Numbers, chapter 25. Numbers chapter 25. So 25 verse 1. While Israel is staying at at Shittim, the people began to indulge in sexual immorality with Moabite, um, uh, Moabite women who invited them to sacrifice to their gods. The people ate the sacrificial meal and bowed down before these gods. So Israel yoked themselves to the Baal of Peor. And the Lord's anger burned against them. So as you're reading that, what they've done is they've been distracted, led astray. And they found themselves worshipping the Baal of Peor and God's anger burns at them. You keep reading through down to verse 9, 24,000 people will die. God is a jealous God, a consuming fire. Um, for those who, this is deeper into a, another detour, but if you look back in chapter 24, you'll see Balaam mentioned there, the mercenary prophet. The nations around paid him to prophesy against Israel. Every time he tried... God turned his curse into a blessing. God even used a donkey, a talking donkey, to get Balaam back on track. You keep reading past Numbers 25, you come to Numbers 31, and you discover there that this idea in Numbers 25 of the women um, distracting the Israelite men, leading them into idolatry, it was Balaam's idea. 
just let that sit in the back of your mind. This Balaam, just think about how hard-hearted he is and think about how easily Israel was led astray. So come back to Deuteronomy. We're only up to verse 3. In Deuteronomy verses 3 and 4, Moses' point is God punishes idolatry. You've seen it happen at Baal of Peor. Um, this part of the chapter builds up to chapter 4 verse 24. So you keep reading through, you come to verse 23. Be careful not to forget the covenant the Lord your God made with you. Do not make for yourselves an idol in the form of anything the Lord your God has forbidden. The Lord your God is a consuming fire, a jealous God. Don't find yourselves worshipping idols. God is a jealous God. He wants you to worship him alone. He wants himself to be your top priority. Again, we're reading this as New Testament Christians. This isn't just an Old Testament idea. It's there in the New Testament too. God wants our complete devotion, our complete worship. He doesn't want us distracted by other things. Um, so we jumped from 4 verse 3 to 4 to verse 24 to make that connection. Come back to verse 4 to 5 and you'll see how the passage builds. You roll into verses 5 to 8. Moses tells the people to take care to obey God. If they do, verse 6, they'll demonstrate wisdom. In fact, they'll be famous in the land. People will look at them as they live God's way and think, that is amazing. What other people is like this? They're God's special people in this world. And then you get to verse 9. Um, Moses urges them not to forget what God has done, but to teach it to their children, to keep passing it on. So generation after generation will be showing who God is to the world. And then verses 10 to 14 reminds us that God spoke to his people at Sinai. He gave his voice. It points out that God spoke. He didn't give them any form. Any, he didn't let them see. He just spoke. So look at verse 12. Then the Lord spoke to you out of the fire. You heard the sound of the words, but saw no form. There was only a voice. It's like, trust God. Trust his word. You don't need images. You don't need things to hold on to. Um, which leads into verses 15 to 18 and the warning not to make images. So verse 15, you saw no form of any kind the day the Lord spoke to you at Horeb out of the fire. Therefore, watch yourselves very carefully so that you do not become corrupt and make for yourselves an idol, an image of any shape, whether form like a man or a woman or like an animal on earth or any bird that flies and on it goes. Don't make for yourself images to worship, things to worship objects to worship just remember god's word trust him um down in verse 19 you're not even to worship stuff that god has made so verse 19 and when you look up at the sky and see the sun the moon and the stars all the heavenly array do not be enticed into bowing down to them and worshiping things the lord your god has appointed to all the nations under heaven it's like saying worship the creator not the created whether it's what god's created or what human hands have created God won't tolerate being pushed to one side. He is a jealous God, a consuming fire who punishes those who won't live for him. So if you doubt God's ability to punish those who wander from him, then look back at Baal of Peor. 24,000 people died that day. And then in verses 21 to 22, Moses gives a more personal example of what happens when you don't listen to God. Moses is going to miss out on going into the land because of disobedience. And so verse 24 is where we come back to. The Lord your God is a consuming fire, a jealous God. So again, we keep thinking we're reading this as New Testament Christians. 
how does all this translate for us? Well, God hasn't changed. The Lord is God. There is no other. That hasn't changed. Verse 24, he's a jealous God. And so how it translates for us is beware of pushing God to one side. Beware and be warned that if you're filling your life with created things, it's a danger. Repent for not paying attention to God's word. Think again about Balaam. Balaam knew how to get at God's people, didn't he? bit of slippery temptation. He knew how to lead them away from God and end up enticing them to worshipping idols. It's the way Satan works, isn't it? And so for us, do not get distracted by created things. Don't fill your life with images. Instead, we should be giving our lives in service of our creator, the one who made us. So Deuteronomy 4 verse 24 looks at the character of God and warns us that he's a consuming fire and a jealous God. He's shown it time and time and time again. The Lord, he is God in verse 39. There is no other. And he's a jealous God in verse 24. Um, Deuteronomy 4 verse 24, it doesn't describe God in his entirety. There's that third statement about God, isn't there? Down in verse 31, he's a merciful God. Um, God is more than just jealous. He's also merciful. So you've got to hold those things together. Remember, God is God alone. There is no one like him. He's a jealous God, a consuming fire. He's also merciful. Pick it up in verse 25 and you'll see how Moses makes his point. So in verse 25, it says, After you have had children and grandchildren and have lived in the land for a long time, if you then become corrupt and make an idol of any kind, doing evil in the eyes of the Lord your God and arousing his anger. It's like Moses is busy telling the people how to live in the land. If they obey, things will go well. But if they don't, well, it's going to be a mess. And it's almost like he knows they won't. Down in verse 26, I call the heavens and the earth as a witness against you this day that you will quickly perish from the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess. You will not live there long but will certainly be destroyed. And then verses 27, um, God's going to scatter them among the nations. Verse 28, they'll end up worshipping man-made idols, man-made gods. Moses it talks as if this is what will happen. And as you read on the pages, through the pages of the Old Testament, you see it is what happens. We've, we've covered one or two kings in church. We've seen the mess that happens there. Um, but God is a God who gives second chances. And so you come to verse 29. But if from there as you're scattered among the nations, if from there you seek the Lord your God, you will find him if you seek him with all your heart, with all your soul. And when you are in distress and all these things happen to you, then in later days you will return to the Lord your God and obey him. That ought to be a massive, huge encouragement as you read it. Here's God saying, I'll give you another chance. I'll let you come back if you repent. And then verse 31, for the Lord your God is a merciful God. He will not abandon or destroy you or forget the covenant with your ancestors, which he confirmed to them by oath. So here, deep in the pages of the Old Testament, we see that God is merciful and willing to give second chances. It makes you look back at those 40 years of wandering in the desert and think about how that works. It's kind of, it's God's discipline, isn't it? But he's not forgetting them. He's ready for them to come back to him. At the other end of the Bible, we see the cross of Christ. 
we see how God can actually give that second chance. It's through Jesus taking the punishment we deserve. So if you're looking at all this and feeling guilty before God, as you consider God's character, if you think, yeah, I'm bad, well, look at verse 31. Find hope and encouragement there. God is merciful. God's kind. He's faithful. It's appropriate for us to feel guilty. But don't stop there. Take the next step and ask God for forgiveness. He's willing to, repent, to accept your repentance. Say sorry to God. Say thank you for Jesus and ask God to forgive you and have you back. And as you keep going through life, keep doing that. Keep asking. Keep saying sorry. Because that's how God holds on to his children, isn't it? So you look at Deuteronomy chapter 4, verses 1 to 4. It's an amazing part of the Bible. It shows us that the Lord is God. There is no other. And then it shows us God is a jealous God, a consuming fire. But that's not all. He's a merciful God, a God of second chances, faithful to his promises. And so the more you get to know God, the more we should be blown away by who he is. You look back through Deuteronomy um, 4 verses 1 to 40 and you see how important it is to God that we listen to him that we hang on to his word that we don't get distracted by created things but here in the, the first of three sermons Moses what he's doing is teaching the people about who God is in the hope that they will learn to trust his character respect him as God and will worship God alone and so back to the question what would God need to do in order for you to give God your undivided loyalty, your total commitment, your unreserved obedience, your gratitude, your thanks, and your praise. What would God need to do for you to hand over your life to him like that? Surely Jesus on a cross is enough, isn't it? So let's pray that we would be um, obedient to God and undivided in our devotion to him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this part of the Bible. Thank you for the way it points us to your character. Lord, we are aware that you are a holy God, a consuming fire, and a jealous God. And Lord, we are aware that we are sinful human beings. Father, we thank you too that you tell us that you are a merciful God, faithful to your promises. And we thank you for the forgiveness you hold out to us through Jesus. Lord, please help each one of us to have our trust in Jesus and to be living for you. Lord, please keep working in us, we pray. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.